Uh, turn with to Romans chapter 8. We're doing a study on the law, the Old Testament law, how it, how it applies to us, if, if it applies to us in any way today, and the origins of it and so forth. And this is the third part. Today we're going to talk about the purpose of the law. And that is, this is going to be a mouthful, okay? This is going to be really the heart of this series to me is going to be this right here. Uh, the purpose of the law. There, there are laws. We talked about the lawgiver last week, which I really enjoyed focusing on the lawgiver, the Lord himself. And we know that God is not a God of chaos. Whether we're talking about the law of Moses or the people that lived the 2,600 years before the law of Moses was given to the people that lived, you know, 2,000 years counting, you know, plus since, the, since Christ fulfilled the law, God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. Uh, the moral law of God is something that has been consistent because God is consistent. He changes not. So even if there wasn't written out on a, on a parchment or the tables of stone, the law that was given to Moses, God before, during, and after that period still is, is a God that's not the author of confusion. He has a way. He has a way for men to live. He has a way for men to be saved. He has a way for men to approach Him. Any other way is not going to work. So if we were to call that a law, those are laws. And so we, I've mentioned this and I'll mention it again. Uh, there are at least six different laws mentioned in the, in the book of Romans alone. We're going to be starting and spending some time in Romans here today. There's law just as, in general as a principle, just a law. Uh, uh, means a precept, a statute, a principle. Okay? So that's God all through the Bible. That's God. He spoke the creation into existence. In, uh, in existence, I think about when he says, let the earth, the earth bring forth trees yielding fruit after what? His kind. Whose seed is in itself. So that seed would produce new trees after its kind. That's a law, isn't it? That's a, that's a statute of God. That the, the pecan trees are going to have its, their seed in itself. It's going to bear fruit. And the, the tree will have seed in itself to reproduce others. Not a banana tree will come from that, but another pecan tree. Just like this one. That's a law, so to speak. God has a way about Him. He's not a God of chaos. But we're going to speak speak specifically today about the, the purpose of the law. There's the Levitical law, the law of Moses, which we're talking about. There's the law of sin and death. There's the law of the flesh. There's the law of the mind. There's, there's the law of, uh, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So there are different laws. They're not on the same one. They're, they're different laws. And let's look at this. this. This is it. Like if we have one verse that we learned today, this is the verse that God would have us to learn. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So what is God's intention for the law? What is His purpose for the law? What can the law do? We're talking about the Levitical law. Okay? And what can it not do? What could the law do? What could, it, what could it not do? And so the law of Moses or the Levitical law 
or the Old Testament law that was given to Moses. God gave it to Moses and through Moses. He was the mediator, the Bible says. He was a man, a mediator, and it was given specifically to who? Not to the Canaanites or some other people living at that time. It was given specifically to Israel, to the Jewish nation. And they were to be, don't forget, the whole purpose of the Jewish nation was that they were to be a light to the Gentiles. And they would be the the line or the race through which God would bring the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be the Savior of the world, Jew and Gentile, to all that believe. So that there's a specific purpose for the Hebrew people being a nation. God didn't cho- choose them because they were so wonderful, because they were so godly. He chose them, as I've said before, because He chose them. That's what He says. I just chose you because I chose you. And He set His love upon Israel and, and He gave them this law. It wasn't a curse. There are curses in the law, but the law itself uh, was not just a curse. It was a curse of the law, but... It was to show, and I'll give you the purpose in a nutshell, and then we're going to come back and talk about what it could do and what it couldn't do. The purpose of the law would be to bring men to Christ. The purpose of the law would be to show all through the, the, the tabernacle worship, all through the feast, all, the, all through the blood sacrifices, all the commandments, be holy, don't worship idols, your God is holy, uh, is to show the holiness of God and to show the sinfulness of man. And all of that typified a coming Savior. And the, the end game, so to speak, of the law was that the Hebrew people, even before Jesus came, were to walk in the faith of Abraham. Even during the time of the law. Like David did. Like Samuel did. Like Isaiah did. Like Daniel did. To walk in the faith of Abraham to be set apart for God. That other people could look and see, here's what a follower of God looks like. They have a law that they keep. Okay? The moral law especially. And we know there's the civil law, the ceremonial law, sacrificial law, and all that. But they were to keep it and to show the, the difference between God and man. You can't just approach Him any way you want. And to bring men to the Lord. To point them specifically to Christ. Now here's what we're going to say. What we just read in Romans 8.3. The law of Moses that God gave to the hand of Moses on Mount Sinai could not, could not produce in man obedience to the law. So we're going to look today, when we're looking at the purpose of the law, we're also going to look at what the law of Moses could do and what the law of Moses could not do. Here's what the law could not do and cannot do. The law cannot produce in man obedience to God. It doesn't have the power to cause men to obey it. It has the power to lay it out there for you. But it does not have the power to cause sinful men, Jew or Gentile, to obey the holy law which a holy God gave and demanded in His law. The law could not produce the inward change that man needs. The law could not do the work in the heart of sinful men to enable men to obey the law. So think of this. This is something the law cannot do. 
Now the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus can when we put our faith in the Lord. But the law of Moses, which is good and right, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit, the law does not have the ability to produce obedience in the heart of sinful man to keep it. To please God. To honor God. To stay within the framework of that law and to live that way. The law of Moses does not have that power. So I know I'm being repetitive, but I want you to, to get it. It is unable to produce in sinful man what it rightly demands from sinful man. So God gives the law. You should have no other gods before me. You know, that should honor your father and mother. That should not take the name of your Lord God in vain. That should not covet. That should not bear false witness. And he gives the Ten Commandments and then other things that are part of the law. Uh, it does not have the power to produce obedience in the heart of the men who are under the law. The law doesn't have that power. The lawgiver does have that power. So the law cannot produce it. The lawgiver, God, which we talked about from Jeremiah, I mean Isaiah 33 last week, remember? The lawgiver, he'll save us. Uh, Galatians 3.21 says, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Listen to this. For if there had been a law which could have given, given life, verily righteousness, righteousness should have been by the law. I want to read it again. Is the law against the promises of God? We're to answer that question. The Bible answers this for us. No, God forbid. The law, the Levitical law, is not against the promises of God. The law is to point men to Christ who is the, the son of faith, the son of Abraham, so to speak, that we would put our trust in Him. The law is not against the promises of God. For if there had been a law, so the if is there hasn't been a law, okay? But if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So what he's saying there is saying, look, just to let you know, if, the, if God could have, given a, could have given a law which could give it to men true righteousness, true righteousness, okay, and the gift of eternal life, then righteousness and life, that would have come through a law. If there could have been. We're talking about what the law can do and the law cannot do. The law cannot do that. So there's not a law other than faith in Jesus, right? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can do that. The lawgiver can do it. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending forth His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And so the Bible tells us that we're all men are sinners, right? I, I pray you don't get board with this. I pray you'll stay with me and lay hold on this. This is very important and it's important in the day in which we live because there are perversions to what we've talked about in the previous sermons where people are, are uh, hold to the law to be their righteousness even today. They would call themselves Christians and Christians and thinking about performing certain laws and do's and don'ts, even good laws of do's and don'ts, that they will earn their way to heaven. That's an offense to God. There, can, there has not been a law given that can give righteousness in life. It comes through faith in Jesus only. Okay? So it's an offense to God. Stop trying to do it. Rest 
in his righteousness. And then, and then there's this camp over here that throws all obedience to any kind of law of God to the wind and lives like, uh, like they don't know Jesus, like a sinner, and they say, I'm under grace, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. And neither one is of God. This is of God, okay? This is of the Lord, what we're talking about. Listen to this, we're talking about the sinful nature of man. The law can tell men what to do, but it can't get in that heart and change the sinful nature of man. Uh, this is in Jeremiah 13, 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? It's a rhetorical question, okay? No, he can't. Or the leopard, his spots. Can the, the leopard say, I don't like these spots. I want stripes now like a zebra. He can't do that, okay? Then, he said, if, if they could do that, then you, you also uh, may do good who are accustomed to doing evil. He's saying it's just in your nature to be evil. You can't decide one day to be good. And he's using the Ethiopian changing his skin, which he cannot, or the leopard changing his spots, which he cannot. Then he says that they can do that, then, then that's about as good a chance as you have who are accustomed to doing evil. And all of a sudden, you're going to turn over a new leaf in life and you're going to do good now. You can't do it. We cannot do that apart from the Lord. Just listen to this. I'm going to read this. If you're taking notes, Romans 5, you can look at the whole chapter. We're going to look at two verses, 12 and 19. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, were made sinners. We don't just commit sins, we do. But we don't just commit sins, we are sinners. Everybody, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. Not bad men, all men. Okay? For that all have sinned. So as by one man... Disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, that's Christ, shall many be made righteous. So it has to do with these two Adams. Okay? There's the first Adam that sinned in the garden who disobeyed a law of God 2,600 years before the law of Moses was given, and death entered into the world by his sin. He transgressed the law of God. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in the midst of the garden. In the day you eat it, you'll die. That's a law. He ate of it. He died spiritually. He and his wife. And that sin in him that he committed was passed on to all, every single descendant of Adam. Whatever religion, whatever no religion, whatever race, young or old, male or female, whatever era, generation a man's lived in, everyone is a descendant of Adam and is a sinner by nature. Okay? And so, then there's this second Adam. Christ, He's called the second Adam. He had nothing to do with the first Adam, but He's like the Adam of a new race. Okay? Those that are children of faith, children of God, that are born again. So the law, in one sense, has no power in there to take the person from being a child of Adam to being a child of God. The law of Moses doesn't have that power. The lawgiver does. Okay? And so... As good as the law is, it is outward. If I had tables of stone right here with the Ten Commandments, for example, and I held them up, every one of them is good, isn't it? Every one of them is a good law. But it's outward. It's been written on a piece of stone. It's not in your heart. It hasn't already wrought some change in you. It's telling you what you should do. 
telling you about a holy God. It's telling you how you should live. It's telling you what's acceptable to God. It's showing you these things, but it cannot do it in you. It's just tables of stone with good holy law written on it. It's kind of like a speeding sign, a speed limit sign, right? Speed limit uh, 55. Well, it can't make you go that speed. If you're in the mood and you're late for something or no, you don't see any traffic around and you want to go 65 or 85, you can do that. You might get caught. You might get stopped by it. But that speeding sign and that, that uh, speed limit sign is a law. It represents a law written on a stone, let's say. It doesn't have the power to make you obey it. Everywhere you turn, you might see laws written down. And whenever you can get away with one you want to get away with, you'll get away with it. Because you think it's ludicrous or whatever, stupid or irrelevant, or I won't get caught. So the law written as good as God's law is, it can't make you obey because we're sinners. See a lot of people laughing about the speed limit stuff. Um, but we need, to, we need God's working in our lives. It, that, that law is... The law of Moses, for example, is outside of man, and man needs an inward transformation. Man needs an inward transformation. Therefore, if any man obey the law, he's a new creature. Is that what the Bible says? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Where did the newness come from? The, the, being in Christ. How do we get in Christ? By faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say in the same chapter in 2 Corinthians, and I'm quoting, he says, For he had made him, the Father had made the Son, uh, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So righteousness didn't come from the law. Righteousness, true righteousness that God accepts, there is a righteousness to the law and of the law. But the righteousness that's going to get a man to heaven and give us the gift of eternal life and 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 make us what we should be in Christ comes through faith. It comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so man needs an outward, I mean an inward transformation of the heart. We need a change of nature from being a sinner to being righteous, from being take us from being a child of Adam to being a child of God to take us from being death, death and death to life. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins before He quickened us. The Bible says that we were by nature, think about it, we were by nature children of wrath. We didn't even know it. Is God not merciful? When we were lost and nobody even, we were never even convicted maybe about our sins and just living in the world, I always picture it like there's this sword. You know that sword that when Balaam was going to give the help out the enemies of Israel, the donkey saw the angel with the sword drawn. He wanted to kill not the donkey, he wanted to kill Balaam if he'd have gone any further. And Balaam didn't see it. That's how every lost man is, I picture. God is be, would be totally just in taking that sword and going and ending their life right now. We're, we're living examples that he was merciful not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Because we were by nature children of wrath. God's wrath was abiding on us. And it abides on lost men today. Every day is a day of grace for them. Oh, God doesn't give me any grace. Doesn't give me any slack. Doesn't give me any mercy. You're living and breathing. You haven't given your life to Jesus yet. You've been given some grace, brother. More than any of us deserve. And so, 
to be, we were children of nature by wrath by nature, and the law couldn't do that. The law couldn't change us to make us what we needed to be. We need man, sinful man needs a new heart. We need life. Uh, we, the Bible says that uh, Jesus said, verily, 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 I say unto you, he that heareth my words and keepeth them uh, shall not under, under condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Hearing the word of God, the gospel, believing that, that's faith, okay? Not keeping the commandments perfectly because everybody he was speaking to had already broken them. We're all sinners. He's talking about today. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation through unbelief. Don't harden your heart. And so he can make us new. Uh, the law cannot produce this. Only faith in the living God, the Son of God, can. Only a Savior can save sinners. Okay? And make them new. And the Bible says that, uh, that as many as received him came unto his own, his own received him not, not John chapter 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To them that were born not of, of uh, the flesh, nor of the will of man, uh, he says, but of God. We're born of God. We're born of the Spirit of God. And so we're back here to our, our passage in Romans 8. He says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Listen, that the righteousness of the law, verse 4, might be fulfilled in us. So how is the law fulfilled in us? This righteousness of the law. By me keeping it? No, I cannot keep it. I might do better than you. You might do better than me. But none of us keeps it. If you offend in any point of the law, the Bible says we're guilty of breaking the law. In any one point of it. We're guilty. We stand condemned under the law. It's a legal term. Condemnation. We stand guilty under the law. Okay? And it says that the righteousness of the law, the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not, a, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So the, in Christ, who fulfilled the law, the, law, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. Now that doesn't mean I'm perfect in like Jesus, but the righteousness of the law has been imputed to me. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to me. But it says here that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's how a man is justified. That's how a man is right with God. For Christ is the end of the law. Remember we talked last, last week or the week before about how the Lord fulfilled it? Jesus Christ fulfilled it. Think not that I've come to destroy the law. He didn't come with a big hatchet and chop it up. Say what a stupid, miserable law. He said, don't think I came to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. That means to complete it, to satisfy it, to bring it to its uttermost end. Satisfied. The law is satisfied now. It's been satisfied. Therefore, there's no need for the law anymore. It served its purpose. It's put away. Now we put, we put our faith in Jesus. It always pointed to Jesus. Okay? And so, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness, for everyone who believes. To everyone that believeth, the Bible says. So think about this. The, you know, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, I read it last week, about uh, don't be deceived that the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
neither fornicators, idolaters, drunkards, you know, coveters, effeminate. It goes through the whole list. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Some of you were drunkards. Some of you were blasphemers. Some of you were covetous. Some of you were murderers. Some of you were idolaters. Such were some of you. But they broke the law, for sure. Okay? So have we. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Such were some of you. But you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So how did you get washed, sanctified, and justified? It wasn't by the law. By the Lord Jesus, by the washing His blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and and by the Spirit of our God, it's by faith. It's by faith. It's not by the law, not by the law before the Levitical law, not by the law during the Levitical law, not by the law since the Levitical law. Know that, and I want this to sink in. I said there's so many misunderstandings. D and I, uh, probably before. Most any of y'all uh, would have known us. And, and, and there was a, a Christian couple, had a young family, precious, nice, wonderful. I remember going to eat at their house, and they they came to the church and and uh, wanted to fellowship with us and so forth. And they began to tell us how they they uh, be, didn't believe the writings of Paul. They only believed the, the writings of Jesus, like the Gospels. And that Paul was wrong in his take about on his take on the grace and law and things like that. And they were going back. I would consider them like Judaizers. They were going back. They wanted to live like Jews, just hear the words of their rabbi Jesus, and that's all. And so uh, it was very confusing. But they they thought they were supposed to eat the kosher foods. They weren't Jewish. They were to, to obey the Levitical law. They thought that was still for them today. Somebody had convinced them of that. Maybe a book they read or whatever. They didn't stay in, in church long with us and they, they went and followed after this thing. That's a perversion. It's not of God. We're not justified by the law or the works of the law, nor are we kept by the law. But God has plenty of, the, the Lord has plenty of commandments for us that we're to walk in. Okay? But none of those save us. None of those things. If the, the Lord, I could rattle off 20 right now. Stay from all appearance of evil. Pray without ceasing. Test the spirits whether they be of God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You know, uh, uh, prefer one another. I could go on and on. These are New Testament commandments. The Lord's telling us what to do. We've broken every one of those since we've been saved. At some point, I pray we don't. I pray it's not our practice. If we practice sin, we're not saved. John says in 1 John. But we have done those things. We're not saved by keeping those things. But those are laws of God. They're commandments of God that we keep. But we're not saved or justified or kept by those things. We're kept by the Spirit of God. We're kept by faith in the Lord. And where is the weakness of the law? And I put in my paper, I put quotes around weakness because I want to say this. We're still in Romans 8. For what the law could not do, verse 3, and that it was weak through the flesh. So it says weak. Weak there means feeble, sick, impotent, or powerless. Okay? So here, I want you to just get this scenario real quickly. There's this, this chain, so to speak. There's God. God is good. 
He's holy. He's just. He's merciful. Before, during, and after the law, He's merciful. Forgiving of sinners when they turn to Him by faith. This is God. He's holy and perfect and full of love. And God is love. That's our lawgiver. Then there's the law He gave. What, what does the law look like? Is it good? Remember we talked about it last week. If you're taking notes, Romans 7, we're not going to have time today. Romans 7.12 and Romans 7.14. Paul, after he was saved, uh, says, for we know that the law is spiritual. Spiritual means has its origins in the Holy Ghost. So it's not just a man. Moses didn't invent the law. God gave it to Moses and through Moses. We know that the law is spiritual. He says, for the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. You can't get much better than that. The law is spiritual. It's holy, just, and good. So God's good and perfect. The law He gave is good and perfect. Where's the, where's the breakdown come? It says that the law could not do. It was weak. Where's the weakness? Picture a chain. Okay, I think about where Buck works, you know, with all the, the big heavy equipment. I'm sure he's, he's around big chains. Okay, they've got to lift something, haul something, uh, big chains like you can't pick up. You need something to pick the chain up. It's so heavy. That chain could be so strong you could lift a, a battleship out of the water maybe if it had the right equipment. But if it has a weak link in that chain, which rusted through or cracked, then it's, it, it's, it will pop. It won't do it. So the thing was strong as could be. could lift a battleship but one weak link in that chain and the whole thing fails. The whole chain failed. Right? How is that? The weak link in this chain from God and His law is that the weak link is not there. It is in man. And that's what the Scripture says. For what the law could not do in that it was weak, how? Through the flesh. Well, the law is spiritual. It's not a flesh. So what is it talking about? Man. It's given, the law was given to sinful men. The law is given and said, don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Good God, good law, sinful men. There's a breakdown there. This good holy law that we're walking under and we find quickly we can't keep it. There's the breakdown. There's where the law breaks down, so to speak. That's the weak link in the chain. And so, it's weak through the flesh. It's man's sinful nature. Uh, it's weak because who it was given to. It's weak because who is told to obey it. If I took a, a big nourishing meal, like say a, 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 I'll be real nourishing, like baked chicken, okay, and some veggies and all this healthy food on a plate, very nourishing to the body. If I took that and gave it to a baby that's two years old, it's not going to nourish that child. It breaks down where? Not because the meal wasn't nourishing, but because the little child is unable to consume it, need it, right? I think about this. And I just bear with this the way my mind works sometimes. But, you know, the king of the jungle is the lion. Called the king of the jungle. It's this awesome animal. So you watch it on TV and it's fast. You can't outrun one. And it's strong. And it can climb halfway up a tree. And it, you know, it's strong and nothing stands against it practically. But it can't fly. 
So you say, well, I'm not impressed because it, it can't flop. Is that a weakness of the lion because it can't flop? We say, no, I don't think technically that's a weakness. That's an inability. But it wasn't ever created to flop. And, and same thing, you know, uh, some brothers in our church uh, 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 year or so ago gave me this nice cordless drill. Best one I ever had. And this nice cordless drill with the two batteries and a little flashlight on the front and uh, can do all kinds of things with it. But I can't, if I went out and said, you know, I tried to cut the grass with my cordless drill and man, I'd got nowhere. Uh, well, it's, it's stupid. It's not a weakness of the drill. It's not made to do that, right? So I want to relate this to the law. The law... Is, could not justify man. Cannot justify man. That's not technically a weakness, so to speak, because it would be if the law had been given to justify man and not one single person could ever be justified. Well, that was a real, it was a flop. Okay? Gave the law to justify men and not one man ever got justified. I would say it failed. But if it was never given to justify men, or to be man's righteousness, or be the way they would became righteous, and then it's not a weakness, so to speak. The weakness is through the flesh, is my point here. And, and man's failure, utter failure to keep it. It's not the weakness or the fault of the law per se. It does, it, it, there is an inability to the law, but the fundamental weakness is the complete sinfulness of man, the complete inability of sinful man to keep it. And the law could not help men keep it. The law could not help men keep the law. It does not have that power to do it. Christ did. Christ kept it. Christ fulfilled it. Every jot and tittle, and and it's passed away because He fulfilled it. That's where the breakdown is. I just want you to to listen to this real quickly. I'm going to read this from Acts. This is Stephen and his one and only sermon that we know that he preached when he was martyred. He speak preach to the Jews. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have your, not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, that's Jesus, of whom you have now been the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by disposition of angels and have not kept it. Nobody kept the law. The best Jew, a Jew of all Jews, uh, you know, the, the, this stock of the tribe of Benjamin and this and that, nobody perfectly kept the law. Some might have done far better than others. And Paul had attained to a certain level of righteousness under the law, but it was no righteousness that counted for anything. He wanted to be found in Christ, he said later when he was saved, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of faith in God. That's the true righteousness. And so they could not keep it. They, nobody kept the law. Listen to uh, Paul's sermon at Antioch uh, Pisidia. He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, speaking of Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, listen, by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be by the law of Moses. Now, if there couldn't be a clearer Scripture than that, by faith in Him, you're justified from all things. That's Acts 13.39. From which you could not be by the law of Moses. It doesn't say you weren't. 
He says, you could not be. You could not be. Well, let me try a little bit harder. I think I can be. I think I can, I think I can keep the law perfectly. No, he said, you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. You could not. The Bible says that by the but that no flesh is no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live how by faith Galatians three eleven and so this absolute powerless or failure on man's part to keep this good and holy law of God ought to drive us to the Lord so. I've said a mouthful to say the purpose of the law was never to justify men. The purpose of the law was to drive men to the justifier. It says in Romans 3 that he may be just and the justifier of them that believe. In Romans chapter 3. The law ought to, and this is God's purpose, drive men, make people desperate for Christ, to cry out to Him for mercy, to cry out to the Lord for forgiveness, to cry out to Christ for grace, to cry out to Him for salvation, to cry out by faith to Him against whom we've offended and we've transgressed His law. So one, here's the good lawgiver. Here's the good law. Here I am, a sinner. I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to keep it. God says, you can't keep it. thought you'd realize that by now. No, I can't keep it, God. You're right. And I've already broken it a thousand times, a thousand have mercy upon me. I have no recourse. The law's not going to stand and be my advocate. The law's not going to stand as my judge and put his arm around me and say, well, I'll vouch for him, God. The law's not going to do that, but the lawgiver will. He will save us. He'll say, and we cry, oh God, be merciful. It's like the publican and the, and the Pharisee that were praying in the temple, right? The publican stood by himself afar off and beat his breast. Didn't even look up to heaven and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This man went down to his house justified, not the other. He spoke this parable and the men that trusted in their own selves that they could be righteous. That's a parable of this Pharisee and of the, the publican. That's, that's the work of the law. We're talking about the purpose of the law. What should the law of Moses do? It should drive me to the foot of the cross. It should bring me and put my nose down right there and say, I'm a worm. And I'm a no man. And I don't deserve to look up and beat my breast and say, I, don't, I shouldn't ask you for healing. I ask you for anything else. Have mercy on me, a sinner. The law, that's what it's designed to do. That's what it's designed to do. And y'all, it doesn't fail in that if we'll allow God to, to work in us. It doesn't fail. There's a weakness in the flesh of man to keep it. It is not able to justify men, nor was it ever given to justify men. And so there's clearly a limit to what the law can do, but it can do everything it was supposed to do that God intended for it to do. I want to read some quotes here. I think this is, these are worth reading. y'all. Uh, I'm going to read one here starting by D.L. Moody. Ask Paul. This is D.L. Moody. I love D.L. Moody. Why the law was given. Here is his answer. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Romans 3.19 Ask Paul why it was given. That's what he would say. The law stops every man's mouth. I can always tell a man who is near the kingdom of God his mouth is stopped. He's not saying, well, God was unfair to me. He's, He's shut up. 
He's come under the conviction of the sin, of his own sin. He's seen his own sinful nature. All he can do then is cry for mercy. That's where God can save him. And the law needs to be preached for that purpose. I'll say it a thousand times. I'm not under the law. You're not under the law. But the law has still has a purpose. This then is why God gives us the law. To show ourselves our true colors. The law can only chase a man to Calvary no further. I love the way you put that. It can, cha- it can do that. It can chase a man to Calvary. I'll read a few more quotes. Let us expound and beat, another man of God says, and beat out the Ten Commandments and show the length and breadth and depth and height of their requirements. This is the way of our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount. Those whom the Spirit draws to Jesus are those who the Spirit has convinced of sin. Without thorough conviction of sin, men may seem to come to Jesus and follow Him for a season, but they will soon fall away and return to the world. So if they never came... If I never told somebody or you never told a lost man that they about their if they never came to a place where they saw their wretched sinful condition before a holy just God, then you could say, Hey, you want the gift of eternal life? Well, Jesus said, All who believe, pray this prayer with me. You can mention the word sin, throw it in there. But if they don't see their sinful nature and their sin, then they will seem to follow Christ for a while and fall away. They would have never really have been saved. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that means I agree with God and believe in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? That's how we're saved. Another man of God says, it is impossible for a person to fully realize his need for God's grace, which we hear so much preached of today, and we need to preach grace, okay? But it is impossible for a person to fully realize his need for God's grace until he sees how terribly he has failed the standard of God's law. John Newton, who sang Amazing Grace, wrote Amazing Grace. I'm sorry, we sang it this morning. Ignorance of the nature and design of the law is at the bottom of most religious mistakes, he calls them. Ignorance at the design and nature of the law. Talking about the law of Moses is at the bottom of most religious mistakes. And John Wesley says this, preach 90% law and 10% grace. He says, a man of God like David says, oh, what love I have to thy law. He sees daily in that mirror more and more of his own sinfulness that neither his heart nor his ways are right before God and that every moment, that every moment sends him to Christ. It has to. This is what it's designed to. Now, people can run away from the law as well. And people can try to get out from under all that. But I'm saying if we will seek to God by faith and even approach the law, if a sinner would approach the law even by faith, then the place where God would bring him would be to Christ. God would bring him to Christ. And so I'm going I'm to be bringing this uh, to a close, but that's God's what God intended the law to do, to bring men to Christ. That's God's gracious purpose for giving the law. And what a wonderful purpose, right? To point men to the Lord. To the Lord. Never was it intended to save men. Let this sink in. I know I'm being repetitive. Never was the law intended by God to save men. Now, men have perverted it. A lot of the Pharisees and scribes added commandments to the law. 
They had their pride in, in the law. We're children of Abraham. We're not sinners. We're children of Abraham. They were guilty and didn't even realize. They made the law something God never intended it to be, right? But God's purpose was never what did He give the law to save men. Never did He give the law to bring true righteousness to men or to justify men in the sight of God. Never did God give the law for the purpose of, in itself, justifying men or fitting men for heaven. It was always for the purpose of bringing men and pointing men to Christ. So one more passage I want us to read together. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. I said we couldn't really study the law without hitting Galatians a good, a good bit and Romans a good bit. Because remember the church of Galatia, they were true Christians. They had been saved through preaching the Gospel by Paul. And the Judaizers, these false teachers came in and they allowed themselves to be brought back under this mixture of works and law and faith. And there's not a mixture of that for justification. It was a false doctrine. So read this with me. Galatians 3, verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? He's basically saying, what's the point of the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed, that's Jesus, specifically that specific seed of Abraham, the child of the promise, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Skip down to verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? We read this earlier. God forbid. For if there had been a law which given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. Again, if you could only remember a handful of verses on this series, this would be one of them. Galatians 3.24 Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So I want to just explain this real quick and we're going to be, be closing. Schoolmaster, the Greek word, if I'm pronouncing it right, pedagogos. Okay, pedagogos. It means a legal guardian, a servant who was given to care for the children who were minors. This would have been ages 6 to 16. Okay, who's in their job was to to tend to these children, okay, at the direction of the father of the, the parents of these children, to who were these children were going to grow and they were the rightful heirs to all that the father had. But they're just little kids, okay? They are the rightful heirs, but they're not of the age yet to inherit it. And so the schoolmaster was a real person that was a legal servant or guardian until the children, they were over the children and seeing them and tending to them until they became legal sons. And once they became legal sons, they were no longer under their schoolmaster. But I want you to see the schoolmaster was not against them. The schoolmaster was not an enemy, okay, with a whip like the Egyptian taskmasters. The schoolmaster was helping them. The schoolmaster their tutor, the legal guardian, was preparing them to, for adulthood, was preparing them 
to, to the age where they could legally be heirs. So he was for them. He was not against them. And look what it says in verse 23. But before faith came, I mean, there's always been faith, but faith, the promise of faith, Jesus, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. That word kept under and shut up, it means, uh, it means guarded by a strict jailer. So you say, well, that sounds pretty bad, but it's not. It's guarded by a strict jailer for protection, not incarceration. So a legal guardian who's watching over little kids that want to run across that are six, and they think they can make it across I-10 on foot, and the legal guardian says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh, you're always telling us what to do. You don't let us have any fun. Well, the legal guardian is protecting them, okay, for their good. Not for incarceration, but for protection. That is a picture given when it says we were kept under the law until we came to faith in Christ. We were kept for our protection because everything about the law is pointing me to Christ. It's bringing me to Christ. So you might feel restricted under the law. Oh, we can't have any fun or whatever. But if we're really seeking it by faith, we understand, oh, God's keeping me. The little eight-year-old kids say, you know what, this, this, uh, this schoolmaster is helping me. Next year at this time, you know, the 15-year-old says, next year at this time, I'll be full-grown adult. Thank you, schoolmaster. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not against us. He's helping us rather than incarceration. I want to read some notes from a Bible commentary just real quickly. The law was our schoolmaster. It really means the trusted leader or child escort employed to attend a boy from 6 to 16 years old and watched over his morals and manners. His business was to see that the child went to the right place and did the right things. Such was the purpose of the law, to prescribe right conduct and impose certain checks. The law convicts of sin, restrains from sin, and condemns for sin. But the law cannot save from sin. It brings us to Christ, which is the God-given purpose of the law, that we might be justified by faith. Amen? It goes on to say uh, that now that we're children of God. And look at verse 26, if you're still reading, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we're no longer under a schoolmaster. We've reached our legal age when we gave our life to Jesus. And that has liberated us from the schoolmaster. But the schoolmaster has its purpose. And the law does its job if men will let the law do its job. If I look to the law to be my Savior, if I look to the law to, in my ability to keep it, which I might think is pretty darn good, if I look to that to justify me before God, then I'm going to be, I'm going to remain in my sin. I will not be justified. I have to look to the one that the law is pointing me to and to see my sinful condition. The Bible says, the Lord says in Isaiah, look unto me and be saved. And I'm going to give two more verses. Indeed, you can come. I'm going to close with this. This is from Romans 9, 31 and 32. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Or why not? Because they sought it not by faith. You see the contrast the whole time? Even the law 
has to be sought after by faith. And if I do that, it'll point me to Christ. If I just have the law in and of itself, keep these Ten Commandments and all these other things that are in the law. I'll keep it all and I'll do pretty well with that. I'm going to make it to heaven. Well, that's no different than most religions of the world. Right? Just trying by good works to do it. Israel did not attain to the law of righteousness because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Who's the stumbling stone? It's a person. It's Jesus. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone. Right? Precious and elect. That's Jesus. They stumbled at the stumbling stone when the law pointed them to Christ. And here comes Christ. He's the fulfillment of everything. And He finally comes on the scene. They rejected Him. He came into His own. His own knew Him not. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. They never attained to the righteousness of the law and, and the righteousness that, that needed to be theirs and that could have been theirs had they sought it by faith. Remember this from last week, y'all. Isaiah 33.22 For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our King. He will save us. He will save us. And I just want to close with that because I think the confusion comes and we ought to be thankful. You know, we, you and I ought to be like that publican in the parable of the publican and the, and the Pharisee that were praying in the temple. We ought to be the ones saying, beating our breast and saying, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's where the law would bring us if we would let it in a lost man today. We need to be thankful for that. But He will save us. And, and y'all, the altar's open. I just want us to, to spend some time thanking the Lord for a few minutes. There's such, as I said, such perversions within Christianity with the law. And... and uh, their perversions. It's not healthy. It's not of God. It's not healthy to be, quote, a legalist. And it's not healthy to be uh, hyper-graced to where you have no, you feel like there's no kind of restrictions. Remember, He saved us from our sin. He didn't save us to sin. Or so we could go on sinning. He saved us from sin. So if I'm saying I'm under grace so I can keep sinning, God forbid. That's what Paul says in Romans 6. How are we the dead to sin to live any longer therein? The altars are open. And I want to read this from, from Isaiah 45 towards the end of this chapter. Jesus, the Lord says this, And there is no God else besides Me, a just God and a Savior. There is none, none beside Me. Look unto Me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else I have sworn in myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness, not in the law, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him that shall shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. glory. You're all always, y'all, don't forget this. Don't think that during the time of the law, people have even, I've heard Christian, written Christian books. I've heard people with my own ears say what in the, in the Old Testament people were saved by the law. No, they weren't. There's nowhere to be found. It's impossible. They weren't saved by the law. Get that out of your head. Find me a scripture that says that. You won't. No man was ever justified by the works of the law. 
impossible. Here in Isaiah, who was a man of God under the law, he says, in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified. He's going to be my righteousness, not the law. The, Isaiah saw the Lord. He said, I'm undone. I'm unclean. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he had broken the law, right? He says, the Lord's going to be my righteousness. All of Israel, all the ends of the earth, he's going to be our savior. He's going to justify us. He's going to be our righteousness. The Lord's hollering, look unto me and be saved. We need to know that as believers. You say, well, I'm already saved. That, but, but there's a lot of people that don't. There's a lot of people that don't understand. And we're going to talk next week about uh, how were people saved. We're tying this into our law series. How was a person even saved in the Old Testament? Was anybody saved in the Old Testament or during this law? Well, Jesus hadn't come yet. How could they be saved? We're going to look at that next week. But right now, can we just thank the Lord again for our lawgiver? That's how we're saved. That's how we're justified. And Father, we just come before You in the mighty name of Jesus, God. We do praise You. We love You. We thank You, Lord God. We 